Hi there and welcome along to another episode of A Serve of Leadership. My name is Ian Crawford. I'm a professional speaker, coach and trainer, specialising in the area of leadership and influence. Joining me again this week, like every week, is the very popular Ash Dash Ludi, leadership coach and consultant. Welcome back, Ash. Great to see you. Well, it's not sure where you're extracting that popular piece <laughs> from, but that's very kind of you. How are you, your, mate? Your mum told me to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing well, buddy. Yourself? What's been going on in your weeks? Uh, just yeah, a little bit of work, a bit of exercise. It's been some okay weather here, so I've been trying to get outside as much as possibly can. What about yourself? Uh, again, yeah, uh, a lot of good stuff on uh, on the cards. Trying to come up with a new uh, a new app to be able to um, better engage and support leaders on their journey. That's what I'm doing this week. Just this week? Is that all it's going to take? Well, as I said, you know, when, when I'm doing work with my team, I say to them, look, I'll come up with the idea and you guys yeah. just make stuff happen. So I've done my bit now. I've come up with the idea. I just need them to deliver now. And you've given them a week to do it app. All right. Excellent. Well, okay. well, I figured I'd give them a bit of breathing space. Yeah. Give them two days leeway. <laughs> so tell us, what are we talking about today? Well, I thought actually a really good topic this week would be something that probably falls within your slot. The idea of actually how do we become an influential leader. Uh, I know it's, it's raised a lot with conversations that I have with people and that it's not just their ability to be able to, you know, have authority over people, but how can they actually get much better at influencing? What do you reckon? Well, funny enough, I like that topic. Mm, I it's, thought you might. Yeah. So this is obviously a three part four series webinar that we'll be doing around that topic because <laughs> this is my thing and I really enjoy talking about it. So should we get into it? Mate, where you go. Well, you're, being your topic, you should really kick us off. Wow, there you go. So the first one is to be, uh, for leaders, is to be mindful of how you leave people's feelings about them. So what I mean by that is a lot of leaders are rushing around day in, day out, and they're brushing past people to get to meetings and tasks and things like that. One of the things we have to be very, very careful of is, well, what opinion are our members, our team members having of us as we rush and mm. you know, a lot of the leadership books call that the leadership shadow. You know, so when you leave okay. the room, what is the perception of you as a leader? And that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, they adore you and love you and all that stuff, but, you know, levels of respect and trust and those things that leaders need to um, have in place to ensure that they're effective and efficient in building their team is a really important one. And I'm sure people are thinking that, well, that's pretty straightforward, but a lot of leaders get so caught up in the delivery of tasks and activities and KPIs that they really forget about building those situations where um, people have those positive opinions of the leader rather than just someone who can get stuff done. And the leader is fully responsible for that occurring. And I, I see it regularly. And I'm guessing you probably do as well, where leaders are rushing down corridors and because they're thinking about the next meeting, they're not trying to be mean. They're not trying to be disregarding of their, um, people, because they're thinking so deeply about the next meeting or where they have to be, people go, hey, hi, leader, and they totally ignore them. Now, those really small things add up and they really add an impact on how people perceive them. And in this day and age, and people that are coming into the workplace now, those little interactions are going to become more and more important. So yeah, those leaders have to start being very, very aware of them. And that's so let's say... So let's say um, turn that into a bit of a practical sense. What do you yep. normally suggest to um, people that you're working with and how they could actually do that? 
Well, just, well, firstly, that awareness thing is that they are constantly on display leaders and the higher you up, the more constant you're on display and mm. just ensure that if you are walking around other people that you say good morning and how you doing and respond to their good mornings and things like that. Uh, instead of having, you know, really small things like instead of having lunch in your office, go and have it in the, the lunchroom with them, with groups of people. Cause not only will that impact the people that you're sitting with, but also the people around you that are seeing them. Uh, yeah. It's, it's about having conversations with people more, more than just, Hey, did you hit the KPI today? Did you do this task? Why haven't you done this task? It's more about how's a family, how's a friends. Mm. Now there's a fine line between that and thinking that we all have to be bosom buddies, friends, having barbecues and beers at each other's house. That's not mm. what I'm talking about it. It's about t- treating each other like people rather than just robots that are there to deliver tasks. And yeah. as much as we wish that would occur, I think that's one of the biggest things that are lacking in the leadership world is, is building relationships with your, with your team um, around people rather than practice. Interesting. Interesting. It ties back into, I think, some of the conversations we were having last week around being really clear about what's important. And, yeah. you know, sometimes we do talk about uh, the performance and, and the connection of our team being really important, but whether we actually create the time to invest into that uh, sometimes doesn't always align with that priority. What you said there is such a common thing in the workplace. Mm. from the lowest level beginning leaders all the way through the highest levels. We'll get okay. it one day and that's simply, and we'll get it because our people will just continue to leave our business. Yep. And we'll wake up just going, well, I'm missing this. It's having a massive impact, negative impact on the business. I need to change. Yep. So, all right. Enough of me. Your turn. Uh, well, look, mine's actually probably an extension of yours. Mine would be, uh, often I talk to people around this idea of investing in relationships, right? So really what that is, is understanding the networks and the, um, I guess the individuals around you. So whether they be part of your team, whether they be key stakeholders, whether they are peers, uh, and investing in that time almost before the relation, I guess, before the requirement of influence is in place. Mm. And so, um, that idea of being able to, deepen those connections um, and to formulate relationships actually becomes a powerful tool down the track. And I think a lot of that underpins come from, comes from what you were talking about is that idea about um, we tend to be influenced more by people that we trust. Mm. And so as a leader, you need to be looking at what are these ingredients that help around the, the trust component. And we know that what they call um, intimacy or, or relationship is one of those critical ingredients. So it's not just the credibility that you hold and, and what you can talk about. It's not just the reliability, so that ability to be able to execute what you talk about, but that idea about um, the intimacy or that relationship is a really important piece uh, and, can, and can smoothen things or at least accelerate things, I should say, when the time comes that you actually really do want to try and influence over decision-making, direction, um, engagement and things like that. So that would be my first one, investing in relationships. And do you see many leaders in your world doing that? Uh, I, see, I see many of the good ones doing it, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the, the ones who stand out, 
Uh, and as you said, it doesn't have to be, you know, that I'm sitting down with you all day and, yeah. you know, and just linking to your story, but it can just be being deeply mindful in the moment, um, understanding what it is the other person is looking for and connecting with them on that and then heading off. Yeah, nice. Uh, so absolutely, the good ones too, no question. And it's just so obvious so quickly when you meet them, mm. isn't it? Absolutely. And when you walk around with them, it's just so obvious. So. Right, go number my, two. Number two for me. It's a pretty yeah. simple one, pretty straightforward. Be authentic. And this links on to our last uh, time. You, that say, we've got. you say simple, mate, but there <laughs> is so much layer to this concept of being authentic. Oh, how hard could it be? I'm intrigued <laughs> to see how you, how you are going to go with this because this is a tricky one. I heard this on a, a, a wonderful, a really good podcast that I was listening. Not quite as good as this one, but a really good <laughs> podcast. I think they have 6 million listeners a week, those people. So it's like uh-huh. just about the same as us. Yeah. I think we have uh, three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do it because we're authentic. Um, is that, you know, based on what you just said then is it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. Mm. So uh, being authentic is being yourself. And what I tend to find with the leaders that I work with, some of them, especially at the beginning of their career, they try to be uh, all things to everyone and all they try to be the leader that everyone, they think everyone wants them to be rather than just being, hey, this is the leader I want to be and I'm going to build my team around that. Yeah. And uh, it comes back to what we were discussing before about having that real clarity and actually sitting, sitting down and spending some time thinking about, what sort of leader do I want to be that serves my people, that drives the business, but more importantly, aligns with the values that I have? Mm. And once people do that, then that, that they can be authentic because they don't have to be something else. They just be who they are. Now, are they going to annoy some people? Absolutely. Are, they, are people going to love them? Some people are going to hate them? Yes. But guess what? That's just normal world. So why not be in a place that you can maintain it? And the reason I say that beginning leaders aren't great at this, but it tends to be much better at the other end is because those leaders who aren't authentic and try to be something else that they're really not get beaten up metaphorically through their career by being that person that's happy sometimes and 12 seconds later is really angry and because they're not being true, true to themselves. And part of that being authentic as well is not being uh, Superman and being perfect at everything you do. Mm. And one of the things that people in our, as an example, people in our career tend to do when they first begin is they give stories about how everyone's great and they did this really well. And this is excellent. And very early in my career, yeah, I remember someone in my class, one of my groups putting their hand up and going cross. You've done some really cool stuff. Your people that you work with have done some really cool stuff. Can you tell us about when they screwed up and how they dealt with that? Mm. I think that was a massive learning for me as a facilitator, but also from a leadership point of view, it's okay to be wrong sometimes. And you don't have to hide behind that being perfect all the time. If you're wrong, I'm wrong. Mm. Let's fix it. Let's move on. And having those conversations and, and being authentic around that situation is okay. I think it builds you in your status as a leader, builds trust definitely. And it makes people not only aware that you're not thinking you're perfect, that you are perfect, but more importantly, you've just given permission for people we are in within your team to have conversations about where they struggle 
and where mm. they've made a mistake. So there's a mult, it's a, it's a ripple effect type one for me. And I think it's really important. Mm. Important, but challenging. It mm. is. And I'm not sure if this is getting easier or harder for the young leaders because our world of social media is the complete opposite to authentic most of the time. Mm. You know, the, some of the biggest hitters within the social media world are authentic about their whole career and what they look like. That's not authentic. <laughs> they may be great people, but you know, it sends a very different message than what we're probably trying to say right here. Very crafted. They're very crafted and shaped. Well, yeah, a reflection of a perfect world, which we know it isn't. So, mm. all right, mate, enough of me. Let's, okay. Your turn. Well, my number two, I guess, is a little bit more practical. You know, so when I look at the really good influential leaders, they have an ability to communicate on a number of levels or to be able to use, you know, multiple tools in their toolkit. Uh, and what I mean by that is that, you know, often when you look at how people try and, or how, how people try and influence others, it often uses a style that best resonates with them. So there, mm. there is actually a wonderful little article um, written by uh, the consulting group, uh, the Boston Consulting Group, and they talk about this approach of head, heart and hands. And what I, what I like about that is it actually is that reminder around that really good influential leaders have the ability to engage across multiple formats that resonate or provide the best opportunity to resonate with all of the team, not just with an individual or not just from the perspective that best resonates with the leader. So for argument's sake, you know, one of the things around say the head approach is yes, absolutely have a real clarity of strategy and a real clarity around the reasoning why we're doing things and, and is often very data driven in its mm. piece, right? hugely valuable, but may not get everyone on board. So the good leaders also understand how to leverage the heart side of things. So tapping into um, similar to what you mentioned before, what is most important for people? You know, what aligns with the values of, in, of an individual? What, you know, using almost that WIFM principle, what is actually important for me or what is my why? And being able to talk through that side of things from mm. an individual's perspective. Um, and then of course there's the hand side of things. So some people you can talk to the cows come home, but unless they're engaged in the process, unless they're part of that, um, that journey, then it never becomes real for them in that side, you know? So I think being able to use those different tools at various times through a journey as a leader can really help that influencing piece, but maybe tapping back into what you were talking about, the authenticity side of things is being authentic yourself actually provides you a better frame of mind to be looking out for what may resonate best with others mm. because you're not just worrying about what's the best way for me to say this. You actually, your bit is already covered. So you're already starting to think about, well, how can I best tell the story or influence them based on what is most important to them? And it could be any one of all three or potentially utilizing all three from an organizational level. And if, you, if you're really clear on that authentic, the messaging and using the th three points that you highlighted just comes. Mm. Um, but if you, if you just try to do, use the three tools without being aligned with your authentic self, then sometimes it, it really goes all over the place. So Yeah. Well, especially I, when you try and use a, you use one of the modes that doesn't really resonate with someone. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, uh, the number of times that I've seen, you know, data just kind of dumped onto people and going, you know, this is, this is why it's really important. Here's how it makes sense. And people go, yeah, yeah, yeah I get it. Dots and dashes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. This is uh, an incredibly important part. This is an incredible foundational part of, of any leadership, but also in regards to being an influential leader is about possessing high levels of self-control. Great leaders okay. are emotionally intelligent and they're calm under pressure. No ifs or buts. And uh, they, those, those sort of leaders that are calm under pressure, they don't see any point in overreacting or allow, allowing their emotions to actually dictate their words and their actions. And so they're very poised under pressure. And once again, sounds really easy, doesn't it? Um, but incredibly diff- difficult because it, it takes time for you to get there. This is alert skill in my mind. And as you get mm. better as a leader and trust me, as a leadership around this type of stuff, you're going to screw up at some stage and you're going to screw up big. We're just trying to reduce the number of times and how big um, because it's a learnt behavior. So the fundamental part of having self-control is uh, self-awareness, about your triggers in regards to what uh, makes you angry or sad or happy or annoyed or frustrated and being able to manage those, those triggers. And so the leaders that I've seen, you know, I've been in the presence of people walking to their office and saying some amazing things about, you know, accidents that have happened and equipment that's been trashed and these leaders don't underestimate the importance of responding but they're very, very thoughtful around how mm. they respond because, you know, blowing up and throwing papers off your desk doesn't send the right message. Mm. And it also goes back to all that authentic self type stuff. And, you know, we've mentioned this on previous podcasts and we've talked about, you know, one of my favorite sayings, it's the only post, the quote that I've got on my wall in front of me here is the person in the room with the greatest behavior flexibility controls the room. And that's what I mean is the, the leader needs to be the one in control, the Zen master uh, mm. when things around them are happening. So that'd be my, my final tip. And, and what's a, uh, what's a way that you help people get <laughs> develop that skill? Well, one of the latest and greatest things that works really well is mindfulness activities mm-hmm. uh, prior to work, start of work during the day. And we're talking about you know, maybe between two minutes and 10 minutes of um, effort and I won't go any deeper than that because you Google mindful activities you know, on Google, you know, there's yep. 6 million options for you. But I will add that it's not an hour's worth of meditating or humming or whatever you like. It's, it's, it can be that if that's what you're into, but it also can be a lot simpler and quicker on the, uh, on the move that you can do. And, you know, something that we're starting to see out of some really high achieving um, individuals in the business world at the moment is, and I read it the other day about, 87% have some sort of mindfulness activity in the morning. Mm. Uh, so that's the first one. And mindfulness basically just gives us that hundredth of a second, a thousandth of a second between trigger and response. Mm. And, and for that really incredibly small bit of time in between those two things is a lifetime for the human brain. Mm. You know, the ability to calculate how you're going to respond. The second thing is like I've already said is to learn from our mistakes. So if you and I have a conversation and I blow up or I don't respond the way I want to, there's literally nothing I can do about it in that point 
I can go apologize and I can try and build the relationship back up again. But for my learnings, I would go away and reflect on that conversation, but I wouldn't reflect on how bad I did. The, the reflection that I would have is how would I do that differently next time? Mm-hmm. and really practice in my head a few times about how I would respond to you, what I would say differently. You know, would I use heart words or would I use those um, head words and things like that? Yeah. And the reason I get people to do that, and if they do it deeply enough, the brain can't tell the difference between stuff that happens in the real world and stuff that I imagine. So if I go mm-hmm. away and visualize this stuff and I imagine it next time that situation that I just experienced with you occurs, then I'll go to the direction I want rather than the explosive direction. And like I said, through your career, you're going to really screw up on this sort of stuff. But guess what? Learn from it, move on. We've all been there. Okay. That good tips. Thank you. Yeah, I think there's some good tips in there. Maybe I should do this as a job. Wow. You know, you don't want to give away rubbish collecting just yet. Um, okay. Well, look, let me, honorable close career. Out, let me close out with my number three then. And look, I think actually it's probably a bit of an extension of yours. Um, I call it beware of blind spots. And so with beware of blind spots is that it's actually understanding that not only ourselves, but those around us are going to have particular biases um, that we, uh, that we are contending with. Um, And those biases can happen actually at an individual level. And they can also happen at a team level in themselves. Uh, so, you know, one of the examples is that, you know, often if people do struggle or if a lot of people don't like change necessarily, and I guess the, the impact that that change can have and inherently some of those biases will start to come out in their conversation behaviors and the approaches of things. Um, and just as similar, you need to be mindful yourself of maybe some of the biases that will drip into the way that you interact um, in those situations where you're trying to be influential. And, and one of them that I see um, quite common is what I call the, the data dump. So if I tie back into our, into that second tip is that, you know, sometimes, you know, we think that we can sort of wander into the room and we just dump a whole pile of data onto another group or another, another team and then just assume that, hey, I've given you all that information now so you should understand what's going on. And, in fact, you should be on board with where things are at. Uh, rather than sometimes that data dump can actually just swallow up a team or an individual uh, and not allow them to actually progress along uh, Mm. the journey that you're wanting to take them on. Um, I've even seen it happen at at more sort of that team level perspective where, um, you know, we're trying to make sure that we engage, you know, and bring people along for the journey, um, but we leave out a particular team or a particular key stakeholder, yeah. um, you know, and then suddenly, you know, a lot of the work that we're trying to do in the room um, gets eroded by the fact that we haven't engaged properly mm. in that process, you know, because of, well, some, I like to think that a lot of it is unconscious. Uh, sometimes it is intentional in that piece, but we need to be really mindful of these blind spots and ensure that we're taking the time to be having regular check-ins and regular reflective periods with those around us to know that, hey, even though we're seeing things one way, we're driving things one way, we have an idea of where it's going, what put ourselves in the other person's shoes and going, okay, what could be driving some of their resistance, you know, and they may not even necessarily be aware of it themselves. So how do we, how do we identify blind spots as a leader? What's some strategies that we can put in place? Yep. Really good question. So the, 
it ties back into um, whether you do it system um, based by a system. So for example, if we have meetings along the way, we're having these conversations, we can actually embed systems into the meetings to ensure that we have these checkpoints along the way to see where everyone's sitting on the journey right? mm-hmm. um, rather than just assuming it. Uh, I think tying back into some of the things that you spoke about previously about having that, um, that sort of sense of, of self-awareness. Uh, if you can actually develop your um, self-awareness and empathy drives, then you'll be, you will be more mindful of where other people are sitting and will look out for the behaviours that may demonstrate that. So there's, you know, a number of different ways that you can do it. Um, sometimes system-driven, sometimes behavioural-driven on that side. And I would suggest it's a lifelong journey. As leadership is. <laughs> it really is. So. It is. Well, and because, you know, leadership's about people and people is a lifelong journey. 100%. Absolutely. Love it. Good point to finish up on. Anything else you'd like to add? I think I'm done. I'm feeling fatigued. <laughs> you need some mindfulness work. Is that what you tell me? <laughs> All right, Ash and I will be back uh, next week to discuss all things leadership. If you missed out on any previous episodes, just click on the link below now. That will take you to the YouTube channel where you'll be able to catch up on all the episodes and gather some really great content to help your leadership development. If you have a topic or question that you would like answered, please send it to the details below. We would love to hear from you and we will definitely respond to anything that comes in. Thank you very much, Ash. Mate, thanks as always for your wisdom, Croft. And you too, mate. We look forward to seeing you next week. And I look forward to seeing all of you next week. Thanks for joining us.